Hello everyone and welcome to 101 George Street, the podcast of Mowbray, Scotland's national centre for children's literature and storytelling. On today's show we have storytelling historian Kathleen Crony. Kathleen is one third of the Mostly Ghostly Trio, a troupe of professional storytellers from southwest Scotland who specialise in telling stories with a spooky, occasionally macabre focus depending on the age of their audience. Mostly Ghostly have been very active in celebrating local history and in 2019 produced Dumfries and Galloway's first ever Festival of Folklore. Kathleen, welcome to the show. Hello, Joan. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. I'm doing very, very well. I should say that we're actually recording this podcast on Zoom. So Uh if the audio is a little bit erratic for the people at home, I do apologise. Anyway, let's go to the first question, shall we? How did you become a storyteller? I think it's been there from an early age. Uh, when I was in primary school at Laurie Now in Dumfries, I started up a week in a ghost group, unimaginatively titled Spirit World. But what we used to do, we would gather at break times and we would tell each other stories, often made up stories. Sometimes there was a seed of truth in there, but we're very much inspired by programmes that were on like during the 80s, such as Arthur C. Clarke's World of Strange Powers and mm-hmm. programmes along these lines. And we would watch those and then meet up at break times and then give our views on what had been seen. We would also be inspired by, for example, the local haunted house, which was an old kind of deserted house on the way home. And it had all the trappings of a haunted place, you know, like foliage growing up in the gardens and sort of windows broken. And we would make up stories and share them. And that was a great joy. And I think a big part of that was watching the reactions of people to these stories. So watching people getting a little bit scared or edgy, and that kind of encouraged me to go on. But I've always enjoyed reading, writing stories as well. So I think it's been there for quite a long time. It sounds, I mean, that's, that's lovely to hear because it sounds like your interest in, in stories and telling stories and ghost stories in particular came about in a quite an organic way as you were growing up. It did and a lot of people say have you ever seen a ghost is that what started this and to be honest no I have never to my knowledge seen anything like that but for some reason that passion has been there from like maybe age six seven year old and it's just continued to grow and I think meeting the right people like John and Mary my colleagues and and sharing that passion for the storytelling, it's really spurred us all on. Do you find that young people and children are attracted to dark tales or spooky tales? It sounds like when you were six or seven, you were very much attracted to that side of storytelling. Yeah, I believe they are. I think it's that mystery, it's that element of mystery, and obviously the kind of horrid history side as well seems to be greatly appealing to young people. They like to hear about the witchcraft, the executions, all these awful things that used to happen. And I think it's it's become more apparent in recent years with various television programmes and book series and this kind of thing, that there really is a massive interest out there amongst the younger community. And it's something that we hope to build on ourselves in a local capacity as well. Kathleen, you and, and the rest of the, the Mostly Ghostly Trio, you're quite well known for being able to build suspense and create a very close, very intimate atmosphere. Despite at times being in the open or in the middle of the high street or, or whatever, how do you do that? The locations that we choose are very
very much an important element of the storytelling and the idea being to transport people back to a different era. So we might be standing in an open space, but given what perhaps has occurred in that space, you know, many years ago, for example, the site of the Old King's Arms Hotel, where Boots is now, and you've got that really wide open space, but to think that the largest riot in Dumfries, you know, took place in that area, and it's kind of taken people back to that time and, and drawing them in to try and enthrall them into that story. And a lot of that comes for the kind of drama side, the theatricality, building up the suspense for people. But the friendly aspect of it too, it's, I think from, from the outset, we were always very keen that when we start a tour, we go around, we speak to everyone. Pre-COVID, we shook people's hand. If we knew them, we gave them a hug and welcomed them. We thanked them for coming. We said how much we valued their contribution to the experience so that even if we didn't get much chance to speak to them on the way around, we had made sure that connection was solid, that people felt that it was an inclusive and welcoming environment. And then when you've already started to build that relationship, I think it naturally progresses as the evening goes on. You can see that in people's faces, you know, that they are not just passive, onlookers or guests they are really part of the whole story and the experience I completely agree you do seem to have quite a loyal following in southwest Scotland and because I've seen you perform in public places that there's a genuine feeling of belonging and of being part of the performance and you manage to achieve that yeah I think it's very much through warm friendship if you come along as a single person or you come along as a group that you're every bit as welcome and important and part of that um, that we're not aloof sort of people you know we're very naturally friendly folk and I think because we have close friendships between the group as well it's very natural between us we're very easy going between ourselves and other people and given that some of the stories are particularly that I think that side helps to put people at their ease you know and kind of reassures them that they're in a sort of safe environment. What stories are you particularly fond in telling? That is quite a tricky one but I think if I was to take a tour see the Dumfries Ghost Walk the very first tour that we ever did it would be the sort of real life stories of dark events that have taken place in Dumfries' long history. For example, the last public hangings in Scotland, both of which occurred at the Old Buccleuse Street Prison in Dumfries. Those stories are extremely dark, very powerful, and when you see people gather together and you watch, their expressions change, their emotions change. They begin perhaps slightly nervous, there might be a little bit of nervous laughter, but then when you begin to tell them what has actually occurred on that site, you watch their faces transform and they become quite enrolled in the story and sometimes there are moments tears have even been shed you know and you're telling these stories and you're very aware of the impact that that is having on people and that you're remembering folk that have lived and died in the town and it's so important to bring an element of sensitivity and respect to that because we never forget these are real people and there's real consequences of their actions and sometimes they face those consequences and and unfortunately for others they did too the, the women who were burned on the white sands as well for witchcraft that is a story I don't know if enjoy is quite the right word but that I really get something out of telling that because it, again it's watching the reactions it's taking people to really dark places in their mind and, and maybe the thought-provoking element is a big thing for me too to, to see people talking afterwards and discussing it and kind of sharing their views and you always feel like it's a job well done if you've been able to elicit that response both the white sands and, and the high street are very very close to each other Dumfries isn't that big a town and to have so much history dark history compacted in a very small geographic area is quite interesting it is I mean the town is, is absolutely full of history I mean you've got the story that was mentioned in a short while ago at the King's Arms where it was William Hay 
here who visited the Fondham Freeze and caused this great riot because people were not happy having such a prolific and wicked murderer in their midst and were quite keen to come out onto the streets and show their displeasure. And that again is a story that I really enjoy telling because it's quite an interactive one and people reenact the mob scene and they sort of cast aside their inhibitions in some cases and they're waving and they're shouting and bellowing in the street and trying to imagine him up there. And it's just wonderful to see that level of interaction. It's very inspiring. As well as feeling like the audience is an intrinsic part of the performance, on occasion you actually make the audience another performer. Yes, that does happen and people's faces vary in emotion. Some people are like, oh yeah, this is great and they're really up for it. Others sort of stand, you know, sort of edge their way to the back. and they, But they seem to still enjoy watching others getting involved. And once they get started, you know, it's amazing and it's almost like quite therapeutic to be shouting loudly in the street and getting some of that um, stress and anxiety out, you know. Absolutely. Now, as well as performing for adults, you also perform for children and young people. Is there any difference in how a younger audience engages with the performance? I think that young people are far more open to some of the stories as well, that they come in quite open-minded, um, they're ready to draw their own conclusions for things, they're quite happy to ask questions and we encourage that. If we have young people on tours, we make an especially effort to kind of reach out to that person really built you know encourage them to come forward with questions theories all their ideas ask them what they're interested in as well what is it that makes them tick what kind of stories do they enjoy reading or writing or listening to so it's um that dialogue is really important and what we try to do is break down the stories a little bit more to build in that extra level of interaction to keep people interested and to make it exciting and also to encourage them to help us bring the story to life so that could be using for example sound effects adults often get involved there too and it can get quite crazy but it's all good fun and then um, the children then feel they are helping us tell the stories again they're not just passive they have an important role to play in bringing that to life Last year, Mostly Ghostly produced Dumfries and Galloway's first ever Festival of Folklore, a festival that featured stories and performances from practitioners from across Scotland, all exploring and celebrating the folklore of the region and the country as a whole. How did you find that experience and why did you feel Dumfries and Galloway was ready for its own folklore festival? It was a really positive experience for us. We absolutely loved every element of it and it was inspired through meetings with Upper Nithsdale Tourism Partnership, who we became involved with and we'd be working with them for about a year and we were looking at how we could contribute to improving you know levels of tourism in that area helping to shine a positive spotlight on the area and initially we thought of doing a tour focusing on the dark tales of old Sankar which we have since developed but then we started thinking why not take that to the next level it's a wonderful mythical landscape it's spectacular and inspiring there are so many ghost stories it's rich in legend and folklore wonderful proud communities as well and really culturally and historically important places and often overlooked you know and we felt it was really important to try and encourage people not just to visit for the festival but to come and actually see what it has to offer and hopefully to return so we suggest made the suggestion at a meeting and it was met with an awful lot of positive response which was just wonderful so it encouraged us to spur us on to do it because initially we'd been thinking 2020 would be the first festival but it, it was a very very quick turnaround indeed I have to say and we learned an awful lot from that through that process things that we might have done differently too but ultimately it was a lovely success it was a real community vibe and it was great to see people from lots of different areas people of all ages coming to enjoy 
create some storytelling, coming to learn about the place that they actually live in or work in, and, and obviously visitors from further afield. So what a great experience for us all. One of the things that struck me was that it highlighted your particular interest or what seems to be your particular interest in local history, local mm-hmm. folklore, how that applies to the modern world. Mm-hmm. I know you guys have got an interest in the dark side of things, but it was a wonderful celebration of, of local storytelling. Yeah, it was great to bring it to life in different locations and, and there was different folk that had you know a particular specialism or interest, people who would come across through the tourism partnership meetings and some of the, that just kind of organically came together and those people were very keen to be involved in the festival. People were also coming forward that we had never met before saying, I hear you're doing a festival of folklore, we have this particular interest, say, and, and we'd like to be involved. Can we be involved this year or possibly in future years? So that took me by surprise as well. People were actually coming to us and asking if they could maybe perform or present during the festival. And our hope is that it will build in the years ahead and that hopefully we can welcome lots of these wonderful people who have kindly offered to be involved. Initially, how did you choose the practitioners? How did you choose the storytellers? Were you very welcoming? And, you know, if you wanted to be part of the festival, by all means, come along. Or did you have to choose and be a bit picky? A few ideas came about through partnership meetings, finding out what the participants who, who were coming to those meetings, what their individual passions and interests were. There were some people at the meetings, for example, who were really interested in the Covenanters. And we thought that could be a wonderful element of it, particularly as that area is rich in Covenant and history. Then we have my colleague Yvonne Barber, who works at Oriertz up in Sanka. She meets a lot of people in the course of her work, and she was meeting people, telling them about the festival, and then passing on information to me about you know what people were interested in up there folk who wanted to be involved, who had maybe a specialist knowledge base or skill that they could bring to it. So it was very much, as the word got round naturally, people were coming forward and offering to be involved. We had to look at the different subjects and try and not have too much of the same thing, obviously, and make it quite varied and ideally appealing to lots of different folk in society with different backgrounds and interests. But it, it just seemed to sort of naturally come together and it actually left us in a position, a fortunate position, where we had more people who wanted to be involved and could be at that stage so that helps us in the future potentially to build future festivals because we've already made contacts with new exciting you know inspirational people and aim to take that forward further down the line the present situation obviously being what it is i take it you would like to bring the festival back to Dumfries and galloway very much so we don't know uh, the same for everyone at the moment what the future holds obviously we have to go with the guidance and the safety of guests and participants and, and performers everyone involved is of paramount importance so we we don't know what form it might take this year we may do a little bit online i think it's important to keep it going irrespective of what's going on even if it's in a completely different format just to remind people it's there it will come back in the years ahead it just might take on it's going to be a different format for sure and we can only we, we can't even begin to predict what that's going to be like at the moment but we need to keep the folklore focus in people's minds as well because it's a nice distraction from what we're going through too and it takes people to different places in their minds absolutely Kathleen you often feature stories and this goes back to actually a question with regards to the folklore festival you often feature stories that have a strong connection to the land or place that you're performing in 
there's, there's very much a sense of localism in your stories. Is that by design? Certain places just, you know, spark a, a real interest. Like you've got your wonderful castles, for example, that the walls, you know, the thick stone walls are just steeped in history. And it's where the characters of the past have lived and walked and perhaps dark acts have been committed within those walls. And, you know, you bring people into these locations and they can actually feel, you know, what it was once like. They can see the very place in which these events happened, these characters lived and to me that really helped bring the story to life and then you've got like your old closes and venals and the towns of them feast the great folk that used to live there you know and you take people into these places it is like I don't know it's taking them to a different era and those places place is very much important in terms of connecting people with their past so some of it is natural it's by you know it might organically happen other times we've planned a certain location to be connected to a certain story because it's where it happened the land is extremely important we, we even do a bus tour on a haunted road you, you know it's just a busy main road quite modern in appearance but again it's the stories connected to that road it's all part of a bigger picture and find it fascinating it's interesting that you should say that about your bus tour actually because i remember reading in a book of ghost stories connected to southwest scotland that the a75 which is one of the main roads that runs through the region is haunted by disembodied legs that people have seen running down the road. Have you ever seen those legs? I have not seen those legs, but we actually received a report from someone whose husband had witnessed the legs. He was a non-believer at that time, quite sceptical, fairly open-minded though. He was a breakdown recovery mechanic and he was out working at the sort of road end where Cummer Trees is, where the Kinmount Street is, the most famously haunted part of the road, and he was fixing a car out there. And he was about to come back onto the main road and head to Dumfries. He was looking both directions just to check that the road was clear. When all of a sudden he sees a pair of legs across the road, really tall legs, almost as tall as the car, run across the road, nobody. He, he can't believe it. And it runs, the figure runs past him into the woodlands at Kinmount. And he's quite aghast. He can't believe what he's seen, especially the height of the legs, but the fact that there's no, there's no body. Then we later discover that other people have seen legs on the road as well. Not always the same description, but legs without a body, eh, sometimes quite tall, thin, standing in the middle of the road or running across it. It's not an isolated incident. Does that mean that the A75 could be the first um, location or place that is haunted by the first ever giraffe. <laughs> well, you just never know. And interestingly, with you mentioning animals, there have been other creatures seen on the road, such as bears, would you believe? And apparently at one time, there was quite a collection, a bit of a menagerie of stuffed wild animals at Kinmount House. I don't know if they still exist, I couldn't tell you. But I spoke to a gentleman a year or two ago. He was out there working some years back, and he happened to walk into this room, turned on the lights and got the shock of his life when he saw all these exotic animals stuffed. It must have been for back in the day when people did this kind of thing. And, you know, he got the shock of his life. And I think there was a giraffe in among them. Are you working on any projects at the moment? What should we expect from Mostly Ghostly once things fully return to normal? Well, we've got some really wonderful news recently to be picked to be part of the Spotlit programme um, showcasing literary tourism in Dumfries and Galloway. And that was just brilliant news at a time when it was so needed. It fairly gave us a lift, I have to say, and we feel really privileged to be part of that programme. It is going to be amazing. Our contribution to that is the Croc in the Frock, which will be two children's literary-based tours focused on Dumfries. And we will have a crocodile 
in the form of Mary. You know how dramatic Mary is, yes. and she'll be bedecked in this fantastic crocodile outfit, which will have a you know a dress that's been designed hopefully by local children. And we will go around. Um, John and I will be pirate minions, and we will go around about various locations in the town and bring some of the stories to life that have literary connections, because there are loads, you know, in terms of writers, stories, everything else, and some wonderful locations in which to tell these stories. But it is very much going to have a focus on younger people. So the level of interaction is really important, and we're going to be introducing more props into that as well. So it's going to be really exciting to see the reaction from young people, families, of course, welcome to anybody. But we just felt it was an area that we wanted to diversify into and kind of build on what we already have. So thrilled to be doing that. Very busy behind the scenes putting an action plan in and kind of looking at ways of developing the tour as much as we can given our current situation i think that's great mm-hmm. the interesting thing about Dumfries is the fact that there's so many literary figures attached to the to the place attached to the town you've got burns obviously you've got jm barry there's so many yeah and this is so important in terms of you know speaking to yourself today the connections with moat bray because we hope that moat bray will be very pivotal in what we are doing here as well looking at collaboration working and Barry and beyond developing what all the wonderful work that you guys are doing and going out into the street and sort of developing further you know the, the connections that we have in Dumfries like you see we've got Barry we've got some amazing stories great adventurers such as Sir James Anderson who who was captain the, the Great Eastern first that laid the first transatlantic telegraph cable you know but he was known to Barry and inspirational to him as well so it's like all these wonderful characters adventurers you know from lots of different backgrounds and we'll be bringing in plenty of ghosts and folklore and dark history as well which will be great fun I'm sure so we will reveal more about that in the coming times and we will all have to evolve given the situation we find ourselves in but I think there's lots of hope lots of things to look forward to lots to keep us busy behind the scenes in terms of our research and planning and and keeping our connections going more the great folk who've helped us along the way and I really just want to recognise their contribution because without our partners and collaborators we certainly couldn't do what we do and our wonderful guests as well who make a huge difference to what we do to our lives it's our social life as well as anything else and we're missing them so just sending love and thanks to everybody at the moment and um, really appreciate your continued support Kathleen we're coming to the end of the show thank you so much for being a guest today I found it really interesting very enlightening thank you for coming on thank you very much for inviting me really appreciate the support I've had a great time today thanks very much